Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting in my safe house on the line with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, Renee. How are you, man? And, and you know what? It's, it's funny. Uh, uh, finally, uh, you say future mayor of New Orleans. Uh, it might come true. I, I, I qualified today. Uh, Fantastic. To be, to be on this fall's ballot for mayor. Okay. Uh, against uh, the incumbent, LaToya. Right. LaToya Cantrell, who we still don't. I'm going to find out this time if she's a crip or a blood. I'm okay, going to find out for sure because she's from East Los Angeles and and you, yeah, she's got to be one, a crip or a blood. We'll, we'll see. But know. it was an exciting day, exciting day. I went down to the courthouse, and uh, uh, you talk about uh, uh, people sitting around doing nothing you know, okay. <laughs> in this place. I mean, there was nobody doing anything, you know, all but right. uh, except, uh, you know, taking my money to run for mayor. That's pretty much all they did. But uh, it's exciting times, you know. Uh, uh, but the one thing that kind of pissed me off, I don't know why, uh, it's, uh, I, I can't remember, but, uh, you know, they, uh, the past elections, I've been able to use Manny Chevrolet and my last name, Bruno, and uh -huh. Chevrolet is, a, but uh, for some reason, this year, they didn't let me use Manny. They said, we have really? to use... Yeah, they, they didn't let me use Manny. <laughs> you can't use your first real name? <laughs> well, they, they said I had to use the name that's on my ID, my license, which is Manuel. Oh, brother. Gee, you know, so that's, that's on the ballot, real... I'm going to be Manuel Chevrolet. You know, well, Bruno. fuck, so, nobody's going to know you, man. That's, uh, that's, 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 <laughs> well, that's a... uh, well, that's on the ballot. Everything else, like if we make bumper stickers or yard signs, like right. it'll be, I could, you still use Manny. You know, yeah, yeah, they'll figure it out. The Chevrolet, you'll be the only Chevrolet in the race. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm always guessing. the only Chevrolet. I'm right, always, right, the only, right, and right, I'm right. only, I'm always the only Bruno too. So, uh, sure. but yeah, for some reason they said no, no, no. We can, you can put Chevrolet in there, but we have to have the, the name that's on your license, which is Manuel. Which kind of, yeah. you know, it was like really, you know. Yeah, God. it seems like an unnecessary uh, sticking point. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, you think they do that to Edward Edwards? Probably not. You know, they right. Well, he went by Edwin. You know, they call people called him Eddie. I guess maybe in uh, in private. I don't know. I'm not sure if they even his close friends called him that. Um, I think know. they called him Fast Eddie. Fast Wasn't that Eddie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fast yeah, yeah. Eddie. But uh, yeah, so there was exciting times. I, I got there. You know, of course, it's so uh, they keep changing the rules about this stuff. You know, four years ago I came there. Uh, with a check. I arrived this mm -hmm. morning with a check and they say, we don't take checks. Okay, I said, well, what do you have take? A money order? Is that either a money order, a cashier's check or cash? Oh, gee whiz. And, and this is like, a, I was the first one there today at eight o'clock in the morning. And I said, well, I don't have that cash on me. And they said, well, there's an ATM right across the street at the bail bonds place. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Or go further down the street and uh, hustle your ass down there and uh, make some quick cash, man. Yeah, exactly. So I, what I had to do is I said, well, I'll be back. But I had to end up going to work. And then after work, I went back there. I went to the ATM uh, hmm. at, my okay. at my bank at my bank, and uh, gave them the money and uh, signed the documents. And, uh, and the ball's rolling, man. The ball is rolling. 
Very good, very good. Well, yeah, I saw in the newspaper they had uh, the the article about uh, t- yesterday was the first day of qualifying. Yeah, that's when all the big wigs came. I should have went yesterday, but I didn't. That's I what I was thinking, there. Manny. I was thinking if you'd gone yesterday, you could have gotten your name in the paper. That would have been a, a yeah. A, well, a, I'll still you a, know a day late and a dollar short once again. As, so, uh, as the always, yeah. starts off with a bang. Yeah, but uh, you know tomorrow is the last day. Um, and I, I asked the people at the clerk's office today, I said, well, how many people qualified to become mayor? And I got a different answer from like three different people. They said well, one, person, sure. one person said eight. And then the guy who, uh, who makes me sign on the dotted line, the very last document I have to sign, he said five. And then someone else said like only three other people besides me. And uh, apparently I... I've tried to find out who, but as far as I can tell, it's all women right now and me. Well, it's it's at least five. I know that because uh, I actually read the the five names there. Oh yeah, the, who are the five? The newspaper. Well, let's see. Uh, let me open. Um, I got it right in front of me here. Let's see. Uh, uh, Noonie man. He uh, he he. Uh, uh, Belden Noonie man Baptiste. He qualified. Uh, Luke Fontana. That's another guy. He qualified. Okay. Uh, Douglas Bentley, another guy. Um, are these are these for the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these. Uh, Matthew Hill, Nathan Nate Jones. And, good. Uh, I'm glad and, a lot of people are running. That's and good. Vina Wen. So yeah, I saw. Thing. It must be eight, because in the, that that Leilani Heno, that woman you mentioned before, that's not. Yeah. I mean, that's a Hawaiian name, man. Leilani. That's not like any kind of freaky name. Um, you, know, you don't hear it around New Orleans all the time, but yeah, it's pretty. The only Hawaiian um, name I know is Ho, Don Ho. That's the Don only Ho. Hawaiian name, yeah. Yeah, That's yeah, no, okay. You hear a lot of names like that. Yeah, I'm not sure where she's from, but that's definitely a, a, a Hawaiian name. So yeah, so it's it's not a it's not an empty field. It's uh, good. I'd say there's there's a lot of people. Um, who are, are now you, you saw the, the spread in the money that they, they, uh, they listed her, the, her oh, campaign yeah. war chest. And uh-huh. she has like $645,000. The next closest person is Henna with $10,000. And I'm <laughs> guessing that, uh, everybody I just read off is somewhere in the, in the, uh, multi hundreds range. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got eighty bucks in my war chest right now. I've there got eighty dollars, go. and and then several people at OU eighty dollars. So if you could yeah, call well, yeah, those, yeah. those chits, you know, you you might might be able to double or triple your uh, war uh, chest. Yeah. There's a couple of people who owe me a hundred bucks, but uh, okay, yeah. all right. Well, we we'll have to have to keep trying. We already to know those people. You know, sure, but. sure. We've mentioned them multiple times on the show. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, well, you mentioned Edwin Edwards, and last week we talked about how Edwin Edwards had gone into hospice. Well, he's right. no longer in hospice. Yeah. In, <laughs> yeah. Fact, in fact, now he's dead. Yeah, he's um, dead. Yeah. So, you know, they had a big thing in the newspaper. I guess it was yesterday about him, you know, and, and uh, you know, a big he, he is an iconic political figure in, in, the, in the state. Well, especially, you know? I mean, because it, it's so he's so Louisiana because, you know, he was governor four times, you know. Right. And, and, and he, yeah. And, and, you know, he, and he spent eight years in jail, too. Well, yeah, he done know. he done the the four terms already. Then he got out, and he was in his late seventies. And they even after the after he was out of office, the the feds consent continued to pursue him. It wasn't the first time, you know, by any right. stretch. 
been up several times before and beat all those cases but in fact they you know they they tried long enough they finally got him and he was you know facing a 10-year federal prison sentence as a 78 year old man he walked in with his head held high uh walked out eight years later none the worse for wear man <laughs> i tell you what the guy guy did that those eight years standing on his fucking head and from what i understand he 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 uh made out fine in prison he was uh he, he was he found himself a bitch and you know he was good his his charms you know his his uh his his manipulative powers you know he was he was he, he did just fine well you know that's all before your time manny the whole the whole edwin edwards uh, yeah era. yeah i wasn't here for that but i heard also while he was in prison he uh he uh, he got a few inmates he got them to graduate high school and stuff Okay. You know, he did a lot of great things for a lot of his uh, uh, you know, co-inmates, or whatever you want to call them, the cons that he was hanging out with. He got some of them to get their high school diplomas. He helped a lot. He opened a library, I think, in one of the prison, you know, in the prison that he was in, right. and stuff like that. And uh, you know, he was a good. But w when he said he was going to hospice last week, and then you know, you know, there's only, there's only one reason why you go to hospice, and that's to die. You know? Yeah, it's not for the food, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's not for the food. <laughs> you know, I mean, like and when he kept went there and says, "Oh, I just think it's better, you know, uh, for everyone involved. I'm here. I'll be here. I'm celebrating my birthday next month, and I'm going to be celebrating my birthday in August next year." I think you know it was probably the best for his little uh, trophy wife, who's what, like fifty years younger than him, or something like that. Uh, she's about thirty years younger. Yeah, I think, maybe. you know, but, she uh, couldn't. Yeah. She didn't want to change any more diapers or anything like well, that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure. She, I'm sure it's a huge loss for her, Manny. Um, oh, but, yeah. Yeah, it's a loss. Other, but it's, a, it's a huge gain too, financially for her. I'm well, sure, she sure. she was already she was already set for sure. Well, um, but you know. Edwin was was known for his humor, you know. He was uh, he's an extremely charming guy, and you know, one thing he was a, a degenerate gambler, or, or you know, a devoted gambler, let's say, and uh, and skirt chaser, but he never drank. It's crazy. So that's uh, maybe why he lived so long and uh, got away with so much for so long. You know, he he uh, he he is he always had his faculty sharp. But uh, one time he was running against this guy Dave Treen, who uh, you know was not the most electric personality, and he had already you know been governor for one term. And Edwin is uh, is running against him, and he was so far ahead in the polls. He said, uh, "The only way I can lose is if they catch me with a dead girl or a live boy." <laughs> and, and, and that was that was pretty true, you know. But uh, that 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 sums up his humor in in in, in one little uh, one one little bow there. I remember because when he ran against David Duke, that made national news. Oh yeah, and, uh, because David Duke being the uh, you know uh, grand the wizard for the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember seeing back in Los Angeles. I, I can't tell. I don't know when it was, but they had it was on the network news where. Uh, Edward said something like, the only thing we have in common is that we're both wizards under the sheets. Yes, yes, another <laughs> another brilliant and yeah. concise line and, and that encompasses uh, his own character in a flattering way, the scumbag David Duke in a, you know, a, uh, a di appropriately uh, dismissive way. Well, you know, the crazy thing about that election, and, and I got to say, you know, with those two... Uh, 
we knew we couldn't trust the polling because we knew there was going to be people that would go ahead and vote for Duke, even though they would be ashamed to tell someone that, that they were going. Right. To. Yes. And uh, so it's the only election that I actually went and worked phone banks to call people, cold call people to tell them, please go and and uh, and vote for Edwin Edwards because, uh, you know, we don't know what the turnout's going to be like. And, you know, are you going to do that for me? Um, sure, man. You set up some phone <laughs> bags. Sure, sure. I'll, you know, I look how much time I spend on you are already. What's what's uh, you know five percent more? Jesus Christ! That's a drop in the bucket compared to what I already do. But uh, you know, they had the the bumper sticker: "Vote for the crook." It's important. Yeah. The craziest thing about that election is that you know they say, "Oh, Edwin Edwards crushed David Duke in in the election. Uh, he won by you know he got sixty percent of the vote." And say, well, that's great. That means forty percent of the people in Louisiana <laughs> voted for fucking David Duke. They voted for. They wanted to have forty percent of the people in Louisiana wanted to have the former uh, Grand Wizard of the KKK as our governor. That was shocking. And guess what? Those people are still here. <laughs> yeah, those, yeah. Those are the people who refused to get the shot and all that kind of yes, stuff. Yes, yes. But you know <coughs> that that election. My wife told me a story where, you know, it was a real divided kind of thing, like like we were the last five, six years, you know, very divided as a country. And she told me this story, and it's typical of my wife. She, there was this big, like, uh, rally where all these uh, Duke people were going to be and all these Edward supporters were going to be. And it was on some street i don't know where i, I can't remember it happened when was this election like in the early 90s or something like that i don't remember yeah 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 like 91 or something yeah and what happened was my my wife went to go support edwards and fight you know and fight against the duke supporters you know not physically fight against them but anyway right, right. demonstrate but right. yeah demonstrate against them and uh my wife typical wife of mine she parked but she ended up parking on the wrong side of the road. So, so she tells me that she's going. She goes, oh, there's the demonstration. And she walks and she's seen, there's all these barricades dividing all the demonstrators and stuff like that. And she's on the Duke side. She's surrounded by, uh, by <laughs> yeah. Nazi flags. And, uh, yeah. uh, she's yeah, on yeah, the yeah. Duke side. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, she sees like all her friends on on the Edward side looking at her, going, "What are you, what are you doing over there? What are you doing?" Uh, and, you know, you know how my wife is. She's kind of Mr. Magooish kind of okay. stuff. Yeah, you know? So she's over there. She's trying to get onto the Edward side, but she can't. She's stuck on the Duke side. So and she ends up having to like walk like twelve blocks down oh, or something geez, to, just to, to get back barricades. Oh, yeah, man. to get to get to the right side of the road, you know, the, the right side with her, with her with her people. But that's typical of my wife, you know. I, just, I can I can picture the whole thing, man. Yeah, it's, it yeah. doesn't sound like a stretch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so oh. anyway, yeah. So it's exciting stuff. Uh, anything else going on? Because well, uh, I was going to say on the on the same kind of tip, you know, we've we've lost a, a a few other you know New Orleans icons in the last couple of weeks that we haven't mentioned. One of them being Bunny Matthews, um, right? Great, great cartoonist, yeah. uh, artist, uh, Vic and Natalie cartoon creator. He did a he. I still have it somewhere. He did a flyer for me. Wow, that's, uh, I think that's it very was cool, man. You should, uh, yeah. you should frame that, Manny, because uh, yeah, yeah, Bunny was uh, a giant, man. It, you know, great writer, great lover of music. Um, you know, yeah. uh, editor. Uh, you know, 
real supporter. I never met him face to face, but I talked to him a couple times over the phone. He made a flyer. He made a flyer for me uh, the election for the election after Katrina. Okay. When nice. Nagan when Nagan won, and we were having I think we were having some kind of uh, fundraiser at, at a restaurant with Greg Surrey because Greg Surrey was the one who introduced me to him uh, from Surrey's famous juice bar here in New Orleans, um, and I never met him face to face, but I talked to him a few times on the phone. He seemed like a very nice guy. He lived up on the North shore or something. I think yeah, he the a- last bunch of years. Yeah. He lived on the North shore. He was sick. He's for been a in, like, yeah. He's sick for a long time or something like that, but he was nice enough to make a flyer for me. And I, pr- I printed like hundreds of them to, yeah, yeah. you know, so people have those. Yeah. That's a great honor, man. I, I, I forgot about that. I'm not, I must have seen it, but uh, that's uh, that's that's terrific, man. Yeah. So so sad to see him go. Another guy that I'm sure you don't, you're not aware of, but this guy Ron Cuchia, who was uh, a poet, um, kind of a street poet, but uh, like you know was was in this band, uh, uh, jazz poetry group, um, uh-huh. along with uh, it was like Little Queenie and part of the Percolators in that band and. Uh, you know they were they were a great band there in the in the uh, early '80s that I saw uh, many times. So uh, you know I'm not and he was he was one of the writers of this uh, classic uh, Little Queenie and the Percolator song, "My Darling New Orleans," which is uh, was like an instant classic. Anyway, so lost him and then also you know uh, just to round it out, the great Brendan Gallagher, the uh, singer and and uh, wordsmith from the Geraniums. You know mentioned him briefly last week, but. Uh, Man, yeah, it's a band I played in for 25 years that just meant so much to me. And that material is some of the the uh, most emotional um, of any band I play in. It's, uh, I always thought of it as like our drunken prayer to God. And, uh, you know, Brendan was certainly, that was he was a, the central force along with Jeff Treffinger behind that band. So, uh, so man, that's... Uh, and Connie! Connie, and Connie, Connie yeah. Connie's finally coming out, man. And, you know, you think yeah. of that as a song that you you've been hearing for a long time, but it's actually uh, it will be released on uh, on vinyl and uh, you know on uh, and digitally soon. We're preparing a uh, double record of unreleased geraniums material, and that that song is 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 going to be included in that collection. So so you'll be uh, you'll be able to have that right at your fingertips, Manny. So uh, we'll I'll let you know when that comes out. All right, well, that's about all, you know, just covering the, uh, clearing the decks of our dearly departed. We're dropping like flies, Manny. Got to, got to, uh... Yeah, let, let's get our guest on before we, uh, uh, you know... Before we have any more losses. Yeah, um, exactly. Sure, sure, sure. Because uh, I'm excited about this guy. I, I've met this guy once, and he's been a fan of mine, and he's been a big supporter of mine for the last eight, ten years or whatever. But, yeah, okay. introduce him. Okay, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, uh, he's a broadcaster, a radio personality, comedy writer for uh, a bunch of big stars, Jay Leno, Joan Rivers, Yakov Smirnoff. Going to get into all that. Uh, he's written for The Tonight Show. Uh, he's currently uh, does the uh, News You Need Now on uh, WTIX FM Morning Show with uh, Bob Walker. And uh, he... Uh, does all kind of uh, ancillary uh, comedy type jobs. Uh, it's you the might best learn- radio station in the city, too. It's the best radio station. I think so. Okay, very good. Um, uh, you might know him as uh, Benny the Joke Man, Ben Walsh, but uh, we'd like to introduce, without further ado, Sergeant T. Ben Boudreaux. Welcome, Ben. Thank you. I'm glad and honored to be here. 
<laughs> ah, nice. We're honored to have you. Thank Sergeant. You. Thank you, Sergeant. I'm so happy you're here, man. It's been, I've been trying to do this for like the last year or so, and I don't know. You, you don't seem to want to get out of your house, which I don't blame you, but I'm so happy you're here. Well, I'm glad to be here. By here, I mean at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate to admit this, but I rarely venture into New Orleans. Right. And where are you? Where exactly are you? I'm in River Ridge. Uh, oh, Reefer Ridge. Okay. Reefer Ridge. Very good. Yeah, that's where I am. Well, that's where my my in-laws live. and They live on Great Court over in River Ridge. Uh, I don't know if you know where that is. It's right on the levee. I will, uh, I'm right on the levee, too. So I'll drop in on them with a ruse about how I ran out of gas <laughs> and need a few dollars. And uh, thanks for that tip. Yeah, and uh, you, you can sing Singing in the Rain while you're there. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you grow up out there, Ben? No, I'm from Algiers. Really? Yeah, I live most of my. Where in Algiers? I lived in Walnut Bend as a kid. Uh, Very it's, close to me. You know, I lived right in New Aurora, so we're just down down uh, MacArthur Boulevard from each other. Well, what's interesting in Walnut Bend is that the only walnuts to be found are in the grocery store. <laughs> sure, sure. They had a lot of cedar shake on those houses, right? Yes, yes. Some of those yes. houses that had the cedar shake outside, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was a confused kid, and I, I still haven't really figured that out. Okay. And yeah, I lived, Susan Spicer grew up in that same neighborhood, our former guest. Wow. So many yeah, stars yeah. and such. That's amazing. Yeah, so, yeah. So, Sergeant, um, you, you're from New Orleans. And Renee likes to ask all our local guests, where'd you go to high school? Jesuit, brah. You're a Jesuit kid? See, that's where, that's where all my brother-in-laws went to. They're all Jesuit kids. My father-in-law was a Jesuit guy, you know, and uh, so I, I know all, I don't know much about Jesuit, but I've heard enough about Jesuit. You know? My brother graduated from Jesuit. In fact, I bet you probably even know my brother um, from Jesuit, but uh, we won't go into that. But uh, so, so Jesuit, and you, and you lived uh, in, in, on the West Bank the whole time growing up? I did. And uh, I lived most of my life on the West Bank and never thought I would leave the West Bank. It never occurred to me that I would live anywhere but Algiers, actually. I, but really? Yeah. And uh, I eventually... Man, I, I, I couldn't wait to leave, man. Uh, from the day I got there uh, at five years old, I was counting the days <laughs> that I would be able to yeah. escape. I think a lot of people were uh, waiting for you to leave, but <laughs> well, hey, you know we were. Uh, that's that's good. We were all pulling in the same direction because it, it worked, man. The day I turned seventeen, I uh, I made my escape, and uh, yeah, that was I your haven't looked haven't looked back. Your community service was leaving the community. Well, if you want to look at it like that, I, I see it as an escape once again. I lived in Gretna for five years after uh, Algiers, and then I got married six years ago and bought a house in River Ridge and never looked back. Okay. Oh, so you got, so how old are you? 60. You're 60. You just got married for the first time. Your first no, marriage? No, I, but I, I'd like to forget the first time. Okay. <laughs> you just, we could just move on, please. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you, you're, you're a Jesuit uh, graduate. And uh, so how do you get into joke writing radio Let's start. Did you go to college or was it, was it always a dream or it just fell in your lap? Did you think, can I do this? You know, because every comedian, you know, uh, everybody's tried stand up or all that kind of stuff. Either they're good at it or they're bad at it. 
But so what was like the, the, the point where you just said, well, I, I want to do this? I always fantasized about being on radio. Okay. But never acted on it. And I was directionless. And I went to Our Lady of Holy Cross in Algiers and studied business. And then after graduating, I signed on with Mutual of New York Insurance Company. And I worked there for about two years and realized this is not for me. And I said, all right, I want to be on the radio. And so I just jumped off the uh, insurance ship and got on the radio, started reporting traffic uh, for a while. And here I am you just today. just applied for a job? You just saw a job opening and said, uh, hey, I've never done this before, but let me do it? And they said, okay? No, I, I was ignorant at the time. Not that I'm not now, but I was more ignorant at the time. And I thought I would need an education in broadcasting. So I enrolled at UNO in communications. And it might have been the first day that I was there in a class. And there was a program called Radio UNO. And... I applied to be on Radio UNO and I was accepted. And once that happened, I said, I don't need this education. So I dropped out of UNO, but I stayed on Radio UNO. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the person who, WTIX AM at that time was Business News. Okay. Right? And the person from uh, Susan Brennan, God rest her soul, you might know uh, Maureen Brennan. She's married to Spud McConnell. Okay, sure. And uh, and Susan passed away not long ago, but she really uh, championed me. She took me under her wing and made sure that I got the gig at Radio UNO. And then she got me what we could call an internship, I suppose, at WTIX AM. And I started there, and then I, I wasn't getting paid, but then I found a job at, uh, it was called Traffic Camera Reports at the time. It was a, a hole in the wall underneath the old mid-city bowling. On It was on Uloa Street. It was this dirty little rat-infested. Uh, <laughs> it was terrible. I mean, it really was, but it was, you know, I, I didn't care about that. And sure. uh, from there, you know, I, uh, I did And they had like stationary traffic cameras set up around the city, and y'all would get a feed of that, and you would report on it? Is that what, what That's exactly on? right, Yeah. And, of course, I made a mockery of the whole thing, and uh, my traffic <laughs> reports quickly became nothing but silly jokes and uh, foolishness and and so forth. And I rode that for, uh, I guess, uh, five or six years. And what, 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 when is this, the 80s? Or this when, when this was, was 89. Okay. And okay. then uh, I quickly got hired at KQLD, which was 106.7 oldies, and... That station took off, and I was there at the right time and uh, had a good ride. And then, of course, you know how radio is, I guess. Uh, the bottom fell out. And sure, it's still falling out, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's yeah, uh, and from there, uh, I you know went had a job here that didn't last long, and then another there. I did talk back at WTIX AM after that. 
It seems like a lot of radio guys, not only do they move around stations, they have to move cities like every couple of years, sometimes sooner than that, right? I mean, it's a yeah. extremely itinerant business. Yeah. Yeah, but with my mentality, I mean, I couldn't even leave Algiers, much less leave the, <laughs> the state. You know, that was probably a big mistake. I, I didn't really seek any opportunity elsewhere. Yeah. Don't you think, though, don't you think, Ben, that that's a, I mean, I find it amazing. It's a, it's a very big New Orleans thing. Uh, people don't, some people haven't left their neighborhoods since, you know, they were born. Yeah. I mean, they haven't left their neighborhoods. Right. It's like, it's insanity, if you ask me. It's like, really? Well, we have very deep roots. And as you know, you know, marrying a New Orleans girl, you, now you're handcuffed here yourself. So Yeah, you know. well, I, I understand that. You know, that's why uh, I, I, I keep the knife drawer locked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, family was a big part of it. I always wanted to be, I always wanted to see things and go places, but not live anywhere else right right well you know if you stay in the same place you you know it so well like for instance ben i'm going to disclose this when you and i first talked to to set this up you said oh well you and i know each other and i said really how is that and you said uh, the jefferson orleans north and uh i said wow okay so the you know the that reception hall there and in, in Metairie that that uh, had the the uh, Pat Barbaro Orchestra Pat Barbaro big band playing there every Saturday and Sunday for I don't know 30 40 years they're still playing there on some Sundays you and I knew each other from there right right like going back to the early 80s you worked there and I was in the band there and and uh, you know, crazy, man. I, I mean, I know you as a radio personality, and I remember you then as as a guy that worked there, but I never yeah. made the connection. But a waiter, there yeah. it is, man. Yeah. We, this is not really related. I don't, we didn't expect to talk about this, but that job at Jefferson Orleans North, uh, there's an interesting story how I got that job. When we were young, you know, 17, 18, our hobby was crashing weddings on the weekends. <laughs> and we would go from place to place and have a, a, just the most fun you could imagine, free drinks sure. and hors d'oeuvres and meet girls. And we were like there a teenager so, or something? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I was there doing that so often. I said, I might as well work here. You know, I'm, I'm here. I know my way around. And I, I applied for a job. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of it was a lot of fun there. Nice, nice. Cool, and I, man. I appreciated the music y'all played too. I still do. Uh, I learned to love that big band music. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's it definitely got a thing to it. It's funny, uh, you know, the, the people were old then, and yeah. uh, some of those people are still going there. I don't know, man. It's like, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, definitely way past the icy hot crowd. Um, so, so, so Ben, when when you know, it's kind of familiar. The same, the story you said the same with. My kind of story is like I was trying to get into film school at UCLA, and then I, a friend of mine whose whose dad was a big producer, just got me a job with some production company. So I was kind of like you was like, oh, I'm in radio. Why do I need to go to school to be in radio? I'm yeah. already in radio. So I was in production, and I'd started after a year or so, and I'm still trying to get into film school. I'm like, fuck it. I'm already learning on the job. Why bother going to film school? Right. I'm learning right now, you know, which sure. is, yeah, yeah. is an amazing thing. But I, I got in the industry and I worked my ass off. I made my way to a certain level. And then after about 12, 15 years, and I was only like 30 years old, about 12, 15 years, uh, no, about 12 years, 10, 12 years, I was so burnt out I couldn't do it anymore. I said, I can't do this. 
You know, yeah, it seems money. exhausting, man. It seems like oh. the, the, that that business, like nobody can stay married in that business, you know, because it just it requires everything of you, you know. Well, yeah, and this was the '80s too, so you had rock videos, you had cable TV, so it, it was just explosive. Cocaine, was, yeah, yeah, and cocaine and coffee and cigarettes. Right. So by the time I was thirty, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I am I, seven days, you know, sometimes six, seven days a week working. Sure. You know, three months straight on production. But anyway, let's get back to you. You're in the radio. You're you're doing your thing. So, but you start writing jokes, right? And you start writing jokes for comedians and well, celebrities. Yeah, I started writing for my own use. Yeah. And I realized quickly that I had a knack for it, and so I started this business called Benny the Joke Man. And initially, I would write ten jokes every day and fax them to one or two radio stations here and there around the country. I had one in uh, L.A., and, but I mean, the money was, there was no almost no money in it. And eventually I became uh, able to write 15 jokes a day and then 20 a day. And uh, I didn't have, the, the first name you might recognize who bought my material was Dr. George Wallace. Yeah, sure. You're, uh, he's Jerry Seinfeld's favorite comedian. That's his. Right. Yes, okay. yes. Uh, I know George. And he's a good comic. He, he is funny, but uh, his name is not necessarily a household word. But Well, yeah, he's still, I think he still plays Vegas and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, he's good. He's a yeah. feel-good comic, you know. You, it, and he's, yeah, he's, I've seen him before. He's, he's African-American. He's oh, actually been on you're the, talking about. Yeah, 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 I know that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, go on. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so you started writing for him. I wrote for him for a while, and then I lost my radio gig. And I mean, you know how that is. And I only had at the time I only had one person buying my jokes for fifty bucks a month. Okay, fifty, 50 bucks, bucks a, a month? month. You'd give them. You'd give them how many jokes a day? Well, uh, back then, fifteen a day. Jesus, man, it's like pennies on, pennies yeah. on a joke. It really is a bargain, <laughs> but nobody wants to buy jokes. It's a very tough business. Uh, so what happened was I uh, I got an, I walked into a bar one night. I lost my job, had a few drinks in me, and who knows what else. And uh, the DJ there said, hey, do you know anybody who might want to be a DJ on a cruise ship? And I, <laughs> I said, I'll take the job. <laughs> I didn't ask well, where is where does it go? How much does it pay? Yeah. I just said, yeah, I'll take it. And so uh, I took that job, and I was able to still uh, service my subscriber. Although I had sent him jokes daily, but I was on a ship, so I could only fax him jokes once a week when I was in Mexico. But you know, for fifty bucks a week, I mean, I was determined. I'm glad I didn't quit because I kept writing. And yeah. From there, on the cruise ship, I would take copies of my jokes and I would give them to the comedians on the ship. You know, there was a different comedian every couple months or so. And one of these comedians said, hey, this is good. I'm friends with Jay Leno's head writer. I'm going to send this to him. You know, I'll write a letter. I'll recommend you. And I'm, yeah, right. Okay, whatever, you know. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I started sending jokes, faxing jokes to Jay Leno every week. And... The next thing I know, I, I got a check. And so I, I was on my way. You know, I got off the cruise ship. 
Nice. So, so now Jay, now Jay Leno was paying you fifty dollars a, a, a no, no. or uh, twenty five jokes a day. <laughs> no, no, no. He was he he was paying me fifty dollars for every joke he used. Okay, well that seems more like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's more Definitely. like it. Well, you know, before that I had written for between you know it, between George Wallace and Jay, I wrote for Joan Rivers for a while. Nice. And how, but the same way, just like word of mouth recommendation or something? Yeah, somebody. I, 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 I'm a huge Joan Rivers fan. I saw her the last time she played New Orleans. I've, I mean, you know, I, all these people are great, but I particularly love Joan Rivers. I'm very impressed by the She was very good. Rivers. I'll tell you, somebody called me when I was on uh, doing talk radio at WTIXAM and said, hey, uh, I know you're a joke writer. Here's how you can s- submit jokes to Joan Rivers. So that was a lucky break. So I uh, mm-hmm. mailed mailed jokes, snail mail, mailed jokes to Joan Rivers and uh, sold her a few. Joan Rivers paid ten dollars a joke. <laughs> yeah, she was. Uh, she was a great writer herself. Joan Joan was was a good joke writer herself. But I she guess was. all these people are, and but they you can never have enough material. So right, always. Right. And, so, so, so. How I mean I, I just how do you come up with fifteen new jokes a day? How how does that work? I mean, are you reading the paper? Are you reading, watching TV, and just getting tidbits and stuff? All of I that, mean, all of that, but it's changed. You know, I used to be totally reliant for some reason on USA Today. So okay, uh, there was no internet. I had to, or at least if there was, I wasn't aware of it. But I I would go and search for USA Today and sometimes I could find it and then sometimes, you know, I don't know, the the guy who delivered the papers to the paper machines slept late and I'd be driving all over town, you know, going to hotels and grabbing free copies of USA Today. And Mm -hmm. yeah, but I read, I read a lot. I, 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 I read a lot. And now I, now I deliver 20 jokes every day. Oh, I see. I could, I could maybe come up with one good joke a week. Well, I, I, didn't, say, I didn't say they were good. I just but, well, actually, okay. Forward in uh, in volume, yeah. yeah I don't yeah. want to bore you, but uh, you might find this interesting. Uh, I do write twenty jokes a day because now I service radio DJs mostly. Okay. And they subscribe to my service, but when the Jay Leno show was on the air, I was much more prolific because. I would get paid. Se- it went. It went from fifty dollars. It quickly jumped up to seventy-five dollars per joke, and it stayed that at seventy-five bucks until Jay quit in two thousand fourteen. So then the incentive was to write as many jokes as possible because naturally, you know, the more he read, the better chance I had to sell one. So right. back then, I, I would. It was not unusual for me to write 40 a day or sometimes 50 a day jesus yeah you learn it's a learned skill and then there's a lot of rewriting and you know i find all the time like about every six months some guy gets arrested for fucking a horse uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> is that a, is a, well, I've seen it happen. I haven't counted like the frequency, but you have. That's well, the <laughs> yeah, uh, right about there, about six, every six months, right? Something like that, you know. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if it happened in uh, Biloxi, Mississippi, six months ago, then the same thing invariably will happen somewhere else. So it's a matter of just you know changing the city and like so. so there's a lot of rewriting involved, but it still is. I see what you mean, right? Right. Yeah. Repurposing the old form. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of that, you know, a lot of that going. And then happy birthday jokes, celebrity birthdays. I get to reuse those every year. 
And uh-huh. this is actually my favorite week of the year uh, because it's this is Shark Week on the Discovery Channel. <laughs> so I have just thousands of shark jokes and I've um, managed to make them fit into the format of, hey, it's Shark Week on the this, this Discovery Channel. And then, you know, just pump out the same old shark jokes every year. So do you, do you have like a, a computers, like spreadsheets with these jokes on them? What are, are like, uh, f- you know, file folders? Or I just, yeah, file folders. Medium of, uh, yeah. Yeah, just, just um, document files. By category? Yeah. No, no. They're just, uh, they're just, uh, I, I, they're cataloged in, you know, like there's one for today's date and there's one for tomorrow's date. So whatever I wrote a year ago today, I'll go back to that file and I'll, pull from that so okay. so when you say when you say you write jokes for D, uh, djs uh, djs who subscribe to your jokes no so so there could be a dj in new york or a dj in la saying the same joke right and that could be that is absolutely the case they definitely are oh yeah i but, listen to but them you're getting I, you're getting paid by both though by many yeah although yeah. i listen to the stations as much as i can i have three affiliates in New Mexico for some reason. Um, I have one in Chicago and uh, God, where else? Uh, one in Baltimore. If there's anybody, you know, we have a worldwide listenership here on the Trouble Men podcast. I'm sure you, know, you do. A, yeah. wide, a, a wide throw. It's uh, it's there. You know, it's not a ton in any city, but we have them in China, Russia. And so if there's any uh, fledgling DJs out there, how would they uh, how would they find your service if they wanted to? Uh, Benny, the joke dot com. OK, there you go. It's B E N N Y the joke dot com. So so Ben. Okay, during all this, you're writing jokes, you're on the radio, which is your dream to be on the radio. Uh, you ever think of going and doing stand-up? I think of it, and it's always been on the back burner. So you've never done stand-up? Never done stand-up. Wow. Okay. Really surprising. Wow. Is it because you just never wanted to? I, I've never because? had the desire, I guess. I have no uh, problem with public speaking. I'm totally comfortable with that. But it's just never been attractive to me. But then it's also been something, well, you know, I need to do that eventually just because I need to do it. But I never have gotten around to it. Well, you'd have to leave your house, Ben. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, forget, then forget it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, First thing, you got to stand up. You know, you can't sit down and do it. It's called stand up. So you have to stand up and walk <laughs> well, out that, the door. That, that, That's another problem. But you never found yourself like as a young kid, a young man in front of the mirror with your comb, you know, saying, uh, hey, welcome, everybody. Uh, I just flew into town kind of stuff. Never, not, never had that desire. Well, the comb in the mirror, yeah, but otherwise, no. And no pants. <laughs> um, <laughs> have you been looking in my window? Uh, you know, no, I've heard things. I've heard things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, uh, Manny, I'm looking at my cocktail and the clock. Oh. It seems like a, like a perfect time to uh, yeah, thing, yeah. Huh? Okay, yeah, Ben, you know the drill. We uh, we take a break for a few seconds. The Troubled Nation knows the drill. We're going to uh, take a break, refill our libation, and we'll be right back. Gotcha. Now they pocket Gonna skyrocket 
Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coleman. Back with our guest, Sergeant T. Ben Boudreaux. Now, uh, Ben, you know, we, we have had a sponsor for, uh, for about a year now. It's a terrific company, but uh, uh, it's the Velo Bar company. But uh, Velo Bar company is in transition, right, Manny? Yeah, the word is from my good friend, the CEO, uh, is that uh, they're, t- they're, they're in transition of some kind of rebranding. Right, rebranding. Yeah, he's trying to stay yeah. one, one step ahead of the uh, regulators. I think so for, for yeah. whatever reason. Uh, and everyone knows. Uh, some people not might not know, but the, the Vela Bar is this great uh, uh, CBD protein bar. It comes in two great flavors: chocolate and dark chocolate and peanut butter. And if you go to VelaBarCBD.com, you can see all the stuff. Use the Troubled One Five Troubled Men One Five code and get fifteen percent off your order. But as of right now, uh, uh, you can still get the product. It's just that uh, we're waiting for breaking news. Something big's going to happen. You know, we're waiting on breaking news. Right, you know? right. So right now, so so the nation knows the drill. They know how to share it and and go to the links and stuff like that. So anyway, yeah, we'll get back to all that that uh, the when the when the news breaks. Yeah, when the news breaks, it's going to be big, baby. It's going to sure, be huge. Sure. It's going to be so huge. We're back to our original sponsor, Loose Change. Yeah, loose chain. And then we also have, uh, you know, I may as well go ahead and, uh, and uh, you know, take these these sponsors on. You know, I mentioned uh, the, the band Loose Cattle with the great uh, former guest, uh, Mr. Michael Cerverus and uh, Kimberly Kay. Um, and yeah. also uh, Rourke Newton. Anyway, so the Loose Cattle just had our, our uh, record release party, had a, uh, or, or gig rather, had a, a great show at the Maple Leaf this couple of days ago. And uh, Thanks so, for inviting me. Well, you were you were invited, Manny, but you, you, again, you had to leave your house to, to do it. Um, uh, but uh, so the record "Heavy Lifting" is available everywhere now. It's a terrific record, uh, Americana roots music, and uh, as well as uh, you know, I mentioned uh, Brendan Gallagher and and the geraniums and that uh, that that large uh, uh, collection of, of unreleased material. It's going to be like twenty tracks. So anyway, that's going to be coming out. That's uh, "Hope Is Not for the Weak." great title so uh so that you can you could be looking for that and i'll uh maybe have jeff on when when that when that does come out so and until then you know as always uh subscribe to the podcast you know wherever you listen to podcasts apple Podcasts, google spotify wherever you know rate us review us it helps give us five stars rating uh you know contribute to the cock cocktail fund uh uh, join our patreon page you know get involved support the podcast directly so we can continue to uh you know pay for our operating expenses and and uh you know bring all these terrific guests on we still have the t-shirts the troubled men podcast t-shirts uh you know uh, know, dress up now where can where can people go for the t-shirts because i think our guests had a friend of ours who wanted the t-shirt didn't it ben yeah the the t-shirt link is in every uh the show notes of every show we do so that you can go in the show notes of 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 t ben Boudreaux's, uh this episode that will be there and it will be a link directly to our uh, uh 
Troubled Men. Uh, it's provided by the uh, the Bonfire is the company, so it's like bonfire.com slash Troubled Men podcast or something like that. But there's a direct link as well as the uh, dire- direct link to the uh, the cocktail fund, the uh, the uh, PayPal account, and the uh, the Patreon page. So it's it's always right there on the Facebook uh, page or uh, you know in the 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 top link, the pinned. Uh, post on the Facebook page, all that stuff's available, as well as every ep- show episode. So, okay, that having been said, uh, let's get back to our guest, Sergeant T. Ben Boudreau. Yeah, let me jump in. You mentioned the t-shirt, and a friend, and actually one of my advertisers, he hears me on the air, because every time I complain about Mayor Cantrell, I call her Crooked Latoya, and I always say, don't blame me. I voted for Manny Chevrolet, the oddball perennial candidate, about whom nobody cares. And he said, I have to have a Manny Chevrolet t-shirt. That's in the works, Ben, for this election. I, I've never had t-shirts before for any times, for any of the times I've ran. I've had like bumper stickers. I've had yard cards. I even had a, a CD uh, that uh, some local artists wrote songs about me. But I've never had a t-shirt, and that's the goal this election is to get t-shirts i want people walking around the city with my face on their chest oh how exciting better get going manny yeah no it's it's all in the works you know i got my uh you know my staff you know who my staff is sure 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 yeah Yeah, and uh you know uh so that's gonna happen uh ben and and i I guarantee i'll get you a few okay that's very exciting i can't wait yeah well you know what's exciting also to me is i heard that that girl who uh, who used gorilla glue, gorilla glue for her hair extensions. Oh uh, yeah, remember her? Remember her? Yeah. She she started her own hair company. She's got her own hair company now. Do you know that? I, I think I did read that. I, yeah. I wonder um, how she's qualified to have her own hair company. Yeah. Well, any, anybody can start any business, man. They got, we, we got a lady that we, that uh, that makes a thing called the Vagiplug that uh, you yeah. know, is, is getting <laughs> yeah. close getting closer to beta testing. I follow her on Instagram. I'm fascinated by this. Manny brought it to our attention, but uh, it's just yeah. The, that's that's I, I pulled. I was at a red light, and this person on their car had a had a magnet advertising on their car door about that product, and I said, "This is insanity." Well, didn't That's it say, a, ask me about Vagiplug? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's just like, ask me about Vagiplug. And I, you know, the, unfortunately, the light turned green, so I couldn't ask her right then and there, but I, I did take down the digits. But you know, it's another another, another sad thing, uh, not a sad thing, but, well, maybe it is, it is a sad thing, is one of our first, um, one of our first things that we talked about, like, God, during episode one or two, was about... Uh, a great place on Broad and Tulane called Best of Life. Yes. Food and drugs. It was a restaurant. It was a restaurant pharmacy. Right. It, they served they served Chinese food, pole boys. <laughs> right there, catty corner to the courthouse on Tulane and Broad, called Best of Life, where you can pick up your prescription and get a meal there. Well, I'm sorry to say, Renee, they went out of business. Really? Oh man, yeah. COVID has, has been been disastrous for a lot of yeah. uh, you know brick and mortar businesses, and that was always one that looked like it was kind of right on the margins anyway. So I'm sorry to see that go, man. 
Yeah, they went out of best of life, food and drugs, which is true. What, what, <laughs> that is the best of life. You know? Yeah, yeah, we were joking. Uh, you know, some of their their favorites were uh, our favorites. There were like the uh, the oxycontin poor boy. You know. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You know. <laughs> Can't beat it, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah or the uh, methican food. Yeah, exactly. The 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 methanol crab cake, you know <laughs> sure, that kind of sure, stuff. Sure, sure, sure. You know that kind of stuff. But let's get back to Ben because he's exciting to me, and we only have right. him on for another like half hour or so. But uh, so Ben, you don't want to do stand up. You're happy writing. No, jokes. it's not that I don't want to. It's just that, like I say, it's on the back burner. It's it's on my list. But here I am, sixty years old. So I need to do. Right. Maybe you could give me some advice about it. The only advice is to, you know, uh, if you don't, you don't like, I mean, some people don't like looking at an audience. But then again, look at Rodney. Rodney didn't hit it big until his 60s, you know? Well, I mean, I've always heard it. everyone I talk to says the hard part is writing the material. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, not for but me. you can write. You can write. You write 40 jokes a day. That's what, I, that's what I'm telling you, you know? So uh, you I got I, the hard part licked already. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this. People tell me I. I have a. I'll say something completely f foolish and ridiculous to someone, and instead of laughing, they'll say, "Oh, really?" You know, I, <laughs> yeah, it's everything's delivery. They say, and I've also heard that I I, I look very serious or even sinister. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> they should. <laughs> Who asked you? Uh, but that, that could be an impediment, but that, that could also be overcome. Well, you know, I understand that there's an actual full-time comedy club that's in the works to open in New Orleans. So, you know, maybe we could get a scene going here. It, New Orleans hasn't really been like a comedy town, has it? I mean, they Never. don't really have like Never. open mics, really. I mean, there's I know the Howlin' Wolf has like a an adjacent room that, that they that they do shows in and but you know it's uh they also have uh, aa meetings in that room too that, that, yeah see. okay well. <laughs> it's never been a good stand-up comedy town and it's never been a good radio market hmm. you know that's I, weird how so i just haven't ever really uh seen a lot of talent in this market there, there are a few exceptions let me uh, you mentioned bob walker earlier but um uh, who is, you know, who is the, I, I've never been a fan of Walton and Johnson. Right. At all. Yeah. And, and the same old, uh, people, including me who have been on the air here for 30 years or, or longer are still here. Yeah. Right. Walton and Johnson did manage to branch out somewhat. And, uh, there have been some exceptions, but it's never really been a, a great radio market. I thought, the only real talent, the only radio jock who I thought was great in New Orleans was Captain Humble. Oh, that going way back. That goes way back. I always I, Humble. I always thought he was hilarious. I, I thought he was great. But uh, you know, there's Scoot. I, I guess he was okay at one time, but he never, never really uh, did it for me. And well, you know, when when you had when you had people actually playing music that people were interested in listening to on the radio and then you had you know disc jockeys just talking in between and playing those records that was one kind of thing that almost doesn't really exist anymore i mean it's you have like national playlists that generate some stuff and then you have 
talk radio, which, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of, or I always have been a huge fan of talk radio, but over the last 30 years, it's become so, uh, you know, so uh, advertiser-driven, or radio in general is advertiser-driven. So, you know, who are the advertisers? Well, they're businesses, it's the Chamber of Commerce crowd, you know, it's more right-wing, you have the Rush Limbaugh's and all the Rush Limbaugh clones that, that have come in, and it, it just gets, it, it's not anything, you know, I want to listen to, it, it gets boring, um, I don't know, it's, uh, I, well, I find... To be honest, like, uh, to, be, to be honest, I listen to the radio maybe 20 minutes a day. That's it. Driving to and from work. That's everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's like you really have to like capture, you know, capture, you know, what lightning in a bottle to get me to listen. You know, like you're talking about Scoot. Now, I've heard his show before. Uh, he's celebrating 50 years in the business this week. Do you know that? Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. No, he's been on forever, man. Yeah. Yeah. And. He announced just last week that he will not be running for mayor of New Orleans. Well, that's good. Okay. <laughs> and unfortunately for him, dog catcher is not an elective office. So that's bad news. Okay. I'll tell you this. What I, I don't know very much about your podcast, but I, I, I love it so far. But I can promise you this, that you have more listeners than Jeff Pruer. Oh, God, yeah. please. Yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, we, we've talked about Jeff before, Ben. Yeah. You know, and, and, but uh, yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. not fans, uh, but. Uh, well. <laughs> Me yeah, neither. He's, uh, he, you know, he, I don't think he's a fan of us, but uh, either. Well, but, that's uh, good. No, that's right yeah. where I want to put myself. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I, I think uh, he's still upset with me because at his, la at his last um, little uh, politics with a punch show, uh, he said that he just got remarried or something like that. And I said, I thought you were gay. You know, so. <laughs> Everybody thinks that. Well, yeah, I know. Everybody I thinks know that. that. When was that, Manny? That was, that was um, Jesus. He only invites me on his, on his politics with a punch show uh, during an election year. So that was 2016 or 17. Okay. That was well, he's got another wife. He has another wife since then. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe the, maybe the previous wives are finding out what he's all about. Huh? A woman, well, <laughs> oh, oh, he has more wives than listeners. Yeah. <laughs> but, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're really getting cutting deep here, man. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well you know, talking about uh, podcast li listenership, you know, man, we actually happen to be in the top 5% of all podcasts worldwide. Get uh, out of here. Popularity. I'm not kidding you. I was shocked at it, too. It just shows you how many podcasts they have that nobody's listening to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything. I I've seen some podcasts, and I was, uh, I, I like to make up rules of thumb you know that i just go as a take a, a rough guide by and i was thinking of one the other day it's like if you have a podcast that has more episodes than listeners per episode <laughs> you really don't have a podcast you, don't have, you, know, you right. have an idea for a podcast so. okay so leaving that okay so you don't you're not ready to do stand-up yet you're working for leno in the 90s and stuff and then how does how does sergeant t ben start sergeant t ben started in about 1990. Oh, that long. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Sergeant T-Ben was the traffic cop with the nonstop bop. I, and, it was comical. That was, for, was that for ticks? No, this was for KQLD 106.7. Oh, 
Okay. Well, I don't even know what they do now. But um, Sergeant T-Ben was supposed to be a traffic cop doing traffic reports. And I cracked a joke, and then I cracked another joke, and then the station encouraged it. Uh, so the traffic reports became a total farce. And uh, and I'm still stuck with the with the moniker Sergeant T. Ben Boudreaux, and it's long and it's cumbersome, and people don't remember it, and it's you know. But <laughs> yeah, I, that wasn't well thought out. But sure, it's you you have the uh, the benefit of uh, of sticking to it. Yeah, well, intuitiveness. I like that. At the time, it became really popular. I mean, uh, I'm sitting here in my studio, and I have all these uh, newspaper columns with my picture. You know, I was really for a while I was hot. Uh, a flash in the pan, I suppose, but oh well, you know, it's, uh, sure does it go up, you go down, you go back up again. So know? even though the name wasn't, it, you know, if I had to rebrand, I would just be T Ben or someone. But I've been with, it, I've had it for so long, and it was I can't let go of it. So I'm, I'm in a trap there. Sure. But you know, who cares? I'm sixty. Right, right, right. It, it's not going to last that much longer, anyhow. <laughs> Neither will I. Right. <laughs> That's what I mean. I mean, all of us, we're, yeah. you know, we're, we're all on the back nine here, this, <laughs> yeah. uh, this course. Well, Ben, um, so when did you start at Tix? I mean, I know you've been there off and on, but when did you start at Tix doing Sergeant T. Ben, the morning stuff? Uh, that was 2004. Okay. All right. So I've, I've been on the same station for 17 years. Wow, that's pretty unusual. That's huh? quite unusual. And I'll tell you, I, I, when I meet people that I either knew from a long time ago or I meet new people and someone says, hey, this is Sergeant T-Ben Boudreaux. Oh, T-Ben, when are you going to get back on the radio? Yeah. I think I've been here for 17 years. Something's not working, yeah. you know? Well, you know, if you're, if you're not an early riser, not everybody has to get up and drive to work in the morning. So, you know. Well, that's, not these not these days for sure. Yeah, but I can't use that excuse. I mean, but I'll tell you something. Four years ago, I went to your station to give you a yard card, and uh, you weren't there. But I'll tell you, that station is is set back in the seventies, man. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that was the last time the cleaning lady came. Yeah, I mean the wallpaper and the artwork and yeah. stuff like that. It's straight out of fucking you know, KLS Los Angeles FM radio classic rock. Yeah, man. it's retro. I mean, it's so retro. I thought I was in a fucking time machine when I walked in that fucking building. Yeah, yeah. And it's right next door. It's right next door to the Victor Manning Driving School. Yes, it is. Wow. Yeah. Where where uh, my daughter has gone and she's waiting to get her license in a couple of weeks. But uh, I mean that walking into that building, man. I thought I was fucking in 1970, man. It was so weird. I'm looking at my Manny Chevrolet yard card right now. I have it on the wall in my home studio. Oh, excellent! With the bullet excellent. holes, yeah, it's it's great. And then you'll 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 get the T-shirt with the bullet holes, but they'll be real bullet holes. <laughs> <laughs> the blood is going to be real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's always one that's going to be real. Authenticity. Yeah. Yes, that's that's the name of the game these days. Well, well, so radio uh, is radio aware of of podcasting and the uh, the pressure that I mean, because nowadays, you know, people are riding in their cars. But uh, you know, I, again, I was a huge radio fan. You know, I was a, r a real fan in the afternoon of of the uh, um, Tom Fitzmorris Food Show. Right. You know, he, he would he would do it was like the only place in the country you could have a show that was like three or four hours long, six days a week, 
and uh, people would tune into it, and they'd, all they'd do is talk about restaurants and food. But even, and I would love that because it was not political. It's very New Orleans. He's kind of funny. He's got a biting wit. Um, he would tell people to fuck off if they if they were annoying him, you know. Yeah. Um, but but uh, but they took him off, and they have him on like uh, like uh, some kind of weird radio. You have to buy a special radio. Yeah. Thing. What the know. hell is it? I don't know. I don't know. They call it like a uh, high def radio. What the yeah, fuck is that? I and have no like, idea. Back to, cr- I need a crystal, and uh, I don't know. But, <laughs> but, but so 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 what people have done is they 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 are now listening to podcasts. You have uh, you have radio on demand. You know that's why when you were we were setting up for this, you're like, oh, is it a video too? And I was like, no, it's audio only. You know, because I love again, I'm a radio guy. I love theater of the mind. You know, I I, I don't want you to have to look at a picture of us. Right. I was looking at a picture. There there was a guy Ed Till. I don't know if you remember him. He was I, in New Orleans. He fired me once when I yeah earlier. Really? Like, yeah, he fired me. Uh, um, really? Yeah, it's not a very <laughs> yeah. It, I was a WSMB. I was fledgling, and uh, he got mad at the at the host, a guy named Neil Ardman. And I was just the producer, but uh, uh-huh. yeah, he he fired me. He was a lunatic. Well, Ed, I, I used to like him. I would listen to WSMB a lot, and, and I, I was a fan because he was kind of a nut. Ed Till was a nut, and he would say anything. And, uh, and so I would listen to him, and then he was gone after a while. Well, I, I looked him up today, and uh, he's still out there, and he's still a nut. He's, he's like a, you know, way into MAGA land. He's in Florida somewhere. I don't know, you know, these people. But, uh, you know, they, they do what they got to do. It's, it's so cynical, I think. You know, people think, oh, well, if I just say this, I'll have a built-in audience. You know, that 40% that voted for, uh, for David Duke, you know, those are, they're suckers. <laughs> yeah, but Chill, but, uh, Chill is a, a liberal, isn't he? No, not now, no. Oh, I can't believe no. this. This is shocking. No, no, no. It's, so my point was, I was, it was a video of him on the radio, like a camera, and he's talking. I'm looking, and I was like, this hurts my eyes. This is, this is not the way I want to look at this medium. I would actually put the phone down so I couldn't see his picture. Like, I don't want to know what somebody's face looks like. I want to make a picture in my mind of what your face looks like, you know? Right, I yeah. Don't know. The old, the perfect face for radio uh, cliche comes to mind. Just... Just, you know, uh, something, if it's video as well, it demands more of your attention. You can't do, you can't look away from it, you know. It's like if it's on YouTube, you can't close YouTube and have it still play. You know, you got to, it's, it's so, that's why, you know, podcasts and, you know, talk radio, that's, that's why I dug it. Well, well, talking of other, speaking of other uh, radio hosts, um, so are you a fan of, of, of other, you know, nationally syndicated radio hosts. One of them that I love that ran forever is Dave Nemo's Road Gang. That was good. And I don't listen to it anymore, but I also like, uh, it's not Art Bell, it's another guy who does the Coast to Coast AM. But yes, I had this one, that, one, that was my other one, America Coast to Coast. George Norrie. Art George Norrie took it over a long time ago, but yeah. Art Bell did it forever. Yeah. But those... I, I listen to that every single night. And look, uh, uh, way before cell phones, before podcasts, traveling out on the road, you know, dr- doing night drives. Man, those things were lifesavers. I mean, literally could save your life if you had something that you could tune into and, yeah. you know, listen as you drove across the fucking, you know, panhandle or, or you know, right. Texas or some godforsaken stretch, you know. And it was so bizarre but riveting. Yeah, and I'll tell you this, this will surprise you because, you know, podcasts are the thing now, but more than 90% of American adults 
regularly listen to ordinary radio. Yeah. To this day, nice. so it's still viable. Now, Ben, let me ask you. So, let's get uh, getting off the radio thing. You're, you're a joke writer. You're a young guy. Uh, Fuck no, you weren't listening. I'm sixty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. Back but there, yeah. who 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 did you like as comedians? Rodney Dangerfield. Of course, yeah. Rodney, uh, I liked George Carlin, of course. I, you know, I've never been a stand-up fan. That you know, back to that conversation before. I, I've never. I love Seinfeld, but most comics. I, I liked Ellen as a stand-up, even though I'm not an Ellen fan now. I thought Ellen was a great stand-up, uh, but mostly I was not a stand-up fan. I never would watch you know stand-up comedy shows on comedies. Never look at Comedy Central and. When I've gone to local comedy shows, I never really enjoy them. Uh, I just, I just don't get. I just don't. They don't make me laugh. I, I don't know. Uh, it's not that I have high standards. If you're familiar with my material, but I, I've never been a real stand-up fan. That might be part of my mental block. So, but growing up, I mean, do you love like Mel Brooks movies yeah. or, or you know, Cheech and. I like Cheech and Chong a lot. You know, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, and, and with stand-ups, I like David Brenner. Yeah, Brenner's great. Yeah. Uh, I was a very enthusiastic David Letterman fan and not a Leno fan at all. Uh, even after I began working for him, I, I, I found myself writing jokes that I didn't think were funny, but that I knew that he would like. Right. Uh, you never did. You ever sell a joke to Letterman? No, I, I tried and tried, uh, and I, I didn't. And uh, I eventually learned to appreciate Jay. And I'm not, you know, maybe I'm uh, overestimating my influence, but I think I might have improved Jay to an extent. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that. Um, well, I was a Letterman guy. I didn't really watch Leno. Yeah, much. me too. I always was. I always thought Dave was much better. Say, Leno was a great. Uh, stand-up comedian when he was just a straight comedian he was fucking hilarious man I, I think you know he, he he has said that he made a conscious shift once he took over the Tonight Show to you know be more in the middle of the road he thought he was playing in middle America and so he 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 you know, toned it down I don't know if that's the right word but but yeah that was less appealing to me than than his see, see his Renee but Renee, see, I thought I, I agree. He was a very good stand-up, whereas Letterman, I didn't really care for his stand-up. But as a talk show host, Letterman to me was fabulous. Yes, whereas I agree. Leno, whereas Leno was a better stand-up than he was a talk show host. Well, yes. if you watch, yes, if you compared the shows and the monologues, Dave would step onto the stage and deliver five or six jokes, and he was finished. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, and exactly. Jay would stay on the stage for eleven minutes. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you know the old uh, saying, leave them wanting more. Well, 11 minutes. <laughs> yeah, 11 That's... minutes is a long time. I don't think Johnny did 11 no, minutes. No, no. And 11 minutes was great for me because it was more opportunity. Yeah. You know, I mean. He... That's a lot That's a lot of jokes. Yeah. 11 minutes. You're talking, Jeez. what, about four to five a minute? Well, he, was, he would do typically 20 jokes a night. Yeah. So. Uh, right. Now, did you ever do any of that stuff, you know, that uh, – uh, did you help them with the man-on-the-street things that Leno did or those those cards? You know, they all had the stuff behind the desk. Or what was that 
that Leno used to do. It actually was a newspaper headline. Headlines? Well, no, because that yeah. was just all submitted by the audience. Yeah, okay. The headline, they would yeah. be mailed in by the audience. And I never uh, wrote any of the uh, quips that he would attach to those headlines. Well, all these, all these talk show goes, Leno, talk show guys, Leno, Letterman, Conan, now you got Carell and Corbett, all these guys, Kimmel. I mean, they have a staff there in-house. They already have a writing staff in-house, yeah, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. But these are the guys who come up. One guy is assigned to write you know, the monologue jokes. One guy is assigned to write, you know, well, he had, sketches. He had, uh, uh, I want to say 15, 19, something like monologue writers, right? Jeez, really? Okay, yeah, and that was my goal, to get on that staff. Those guys were making the big money. Yeah. I was the guy doing the work. And there were, yeah. there were uh, at one time, there were hundreds of guys who were allowed to submit jokes. And then that was whittled down to just 20 writers. And right. I was one of the 20. And it was not uncommon. I mean, I frequently, uh, out of 20 jokes, five or six I had written night after night. Yeah. For 75 bucks a joke, I can guarantee you those guys who, you know, if I wrote that many, there were other guys like me at home faxing in jokes who wrote the rest. And the guys who were making the big money were basically just reading and, uh, you know, circling which ones they liked and then passing them on to Jay. So, Fuck, yeah, that sucks. yeah, I got screwed, man. But, <laughs> you know, uh, I so yeah. Did, did you ever like because uh, I know people who have submitted jokes for like uh, SNL weekend update. Did you ever submit? Yeah, I did that. I, I qualified. They do every year. They uh, ask uh, people to submit jokes for the uh, weekend update. And I qualified for that. I was invited to write jokes for the uh, weekend update for one season. Nice. But none of them ever landed. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but. So who makes the call on that? Is it Lauren Michaels or it's just like whoever's doing Weekend Update that season? Yeah, I can't tell you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I can't tell you. So, uh, so uh, you know, we're kind of on the downslope of the podcast here, uh, Ben. So, so uh, what's on the horizon for uh, Sergeant T. Ben Boudreaux? You're, you're, uh, you're doing every day. Again, you didn't want to leave your house because you said you have to get up in the morning because you, you're on the radio tomorrow with uh, news you need now. When I wrote for Jay, the object was to write as many jokes as I could before 10 a.m. our time so that they would reach him by 8 o'clock Pacific time. So mm. for many years, I wrote. I woke up at 2 a.m. every day and started wow. writing. And I've always been an early riser, and now I typically wake up at 4 a.m. Actually, wow. my alarm is set for 3.43 a.m. because I wake up and my wife and I go to the gym trying to extend our lives a few more days. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I do that and I now, come home and write the now let me ask. Now, let me ask you, going back to Leno real quick. Now, did did they tell you that they bought this joke or did you have to watch, stay up till 1130 at night to watch his monologue? Yeah, it was 1030 here. Yeah, I had to stay up and watch. To see if they used your joke right, that day. Right, Jesus, that sucks. Yeah. Well, that was, it was exciting in a way. It was fun. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I get, yeah, and did like he chose it, but did sometimes the audience didn't get it? A lot of jokes flop, uh, but mostly not. You know, most they most of the ones they hit. You know, 
Oh, some some better, some really flop, you know. But I never care as long as I get paid, man. I don't care if they throw <laughs> yeah, things at you know. I'm right, right, right. Well, you, if it's it's tough, man, where you're writing new material every day, you don't get to try it out in front of anybody, and you send it to them, and they they do it for the first time. It's ever being in front of an audience. That's uh, right. that's very unusual. Nobody does that in stand up, you know. Anybody that does a stand up routine on one of those shows, they've told those jokes hundreds of thousands of times perhaps yeah they're tested yeah right right for audiences and stuff like that no getting back i want to just say real briefly before we have to sign off i met you at jimmy Fahrenholt's party remember i i i don't think jimmy remembers but i do yeah yeah well yeah <laughs> that's, when, that's when he lived around the corner from me on ursuline he had a birthday party for himself in the basement floor of his house, which was fabulous. He had a great band. He had Johnny J and the Hitmen play. It was a great party. Nice. Yeah, nice. it was a really good party. And that's when I first met you. Um, and the thing I want to ask you about, how did you meet Jimmy? Because Jimmy was a member of the New Orleans uh, Parish uh, School Board for a long time. And I just found it funny because every time I saw uh, uh, any kind of thing from the school board meetings, you know, they have these meetings, Jimmy wouldn't say a thing during the whole meetings. And then after the meeting was over, he would talk to reporters. It was like he would say all the stuff that he should have said during the meeting, but <laughs> right, he never right. did. Right. You know, it's like, why didn't you say that during the meeting? We were watching for two hours. You never said a goddamn word. This is why you didn't get reelected. Cynical, I guess. man. Yeah. Uh, I met Jimmy working as a movie extra. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's. I don't. He hasn't had his annual party in a while, but uh, I think he's he's having really bad physical uh, back problems. He's living out in Lakeview now and stuff like that. Um. Yeah, Shout out but to anyway. you, uh, Jimmy Fahrenholtz. Yeah, yeah. I hope yeah. you're uh, doing well yeah. out there, Jimmy. Yeah, I hope he's doing well. Uh, ben, you want to promote anything? Uh, you want to say anything? You got a one last joke about us that you want to say? A joke about you? Uh, you know, it's hard to write a joke about a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting too, too well, meta there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know I'll be getting a hold of you during the campaign, uh, Ben. So, yeah. Uh, uh, be on the lookout. You know I'll be getting a hold of you. I'm not in New Orleans, so I can't vote for you, but I, I'm i a big fan and supporter. And I know, and in fact, you mentioned me this week. Uh, my wife uh, texted me. She was driving to her office, and you mentioned that uh, you were going to vote for Manny, uh, something about $3 or something like that. He's got my $3. I, I don't, don't remember like the exact line. I, I, <laughs> I, I use your name a lot when I, I told you when I criticized LaToya. Don't blame me. I voted for Manny Chevrolet. Exactly, okay, and nice. I and I appreciate it, and I think a lot of people listen to you, and I know they do, and they always say, "Hey, T Ben mentioned you, and and may, you know, I think I'm going to vote for you, Manny." So <laughs> we're the, the wheels are starting to roll. We qualified, and tomorrow's the last day of qualification, and let 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 the wars begin. I'm a kingmaker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, people, get on that Manny Chevrolet train before it's uh, while yeah. you still have time. Okay, so I will say I'm on the WTIX morning show, and my news you need now airs three times. The first time is at 6:40 a.m., uh, then again at 8:10 a.m., and then at 9:40 a.m. Times are approximate, and it's it's the best comedy on radio i'm i'm comfortable saying that 
It really is. It really is. Now, can people around the country get t- t- uh, ticks? Can they stream ticks? Yeah, it's on the TuneIn Radio app. So the nation, someone in California can just tune in radio and put in ticks, uh, WTIX morning show, and they can hear your your three spots. Every Whether day. they're in L.A., Boston, or Timbuktu. There you go. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Yes, thank you so much, Ben, for, for being on. Sergeant T. Ben Boudreaux, it's, uh, it's great to, uh, to have a local celebrity, a national celebrity, comedy celebrity. <laughs> well, that's on a the, stretch, on the, yeah. Uh, on, uh, on the, well, you know, we, we, we like to stretch, yeah, yeah. Future stand-up comic, too. Yeah. There you go. All right. <laughs> thank you. Yes, Ben, as always, in the Trouble Nation, we'd like to say trouble never ends. But the struggle continues. Good night. Good night. My dog, she's a hungry girl, best damn dog in the whole damn world. Go walking in the neighborhood, get to the corner and it's understood. Nose to the ground cause she knows she'll find something tasty been left behind. It's that sidewalk chicken, sidewalk chicken, a finger licking, sidewalk chicken. Well, it's understood that sidewalk chicken. Oh, yeah. I know a girl from around the way. Take what she wants and throw the rest away. Don't bother to apologize. Give a love to try it on for size. So sad, sorry to say. I knew that girl from around the way. She likes a sidewalk chicken. Sidewalk chicken, sidewalk chicken, time bomb chicken, sidewalk chicken. You know it's easy, you know it's so good. No, when you're done, well it's understood. Sidewalk chicken, oh yes, oh yeah.
give you 